everyone, it's John and Ben, and welcome back to Santa by the Minute, the podcast where Ben and I talk about 1985 Santa Claus the movie, one minute at a time. And this week we are on minute number 13, lucky number 13. 13 minutes. I know, I can't believe it, I feel like we just started. I don't know if we, I'm sure we've passed the mark where we've now talked about the first 12 minutes of the movie longer than the actual running time of the movie. Most likely. So before we dive into this minute, I want to bring up a revelation that we have recently discovered that we have never seen published anywhere on the internet. Brand new to us. We're always learning more and more about this movie. You think we'd hit a point where we'd know everything about Santa Claus the movie from 1985. I don't know if we'll ever know everything about it. So in 2019, yeah, so last year, 2019, Quartet Records released a three-CD set of all the music Henry Mancini composed for Santa Claus movie. Every existing shred of music that exists is in this three-hour-long CD compilation. Obviously had a very limited run. I think it was more released overseas. But we snagged a copy off of eBay, and the liner notes inside, written by Jeff Bond, include information that we had never heard before. Now, a couple weeks ago in our Dudley Moore episode, we were talking about the origins of Patch's name. All the sources online say the original name was going to be Ollie. And then you talked about how in the book Patch's name came from. He he had so many patches on his clothes. Right. But this goes even further back, talking about the original version of David and Leslie Newman's script. It is crazy. We've been, like, thinking, you know, like, oh, we're, we're digging, we're, we're looking too deep into Santa Claus the movie. This proves that we are not... I'm quoting from the liner notes of the CD set now. Mm-hmm. For the parallel story of Patch and BZ, the Newmans looked at lofty inspiration, John Milton's Paradise Lost, and its tale of an ambitious angel, Lucifer, who is expelled from heaven after leading an angelic rebellion against God. Like Lucifer, Dudley Moore's Patch believes he can run Paradise, i.e. Santa's workshop, better than Santa, and after failing, he's expelled from the North Pole. David Newman even named the elf character Scratch, a common nickname for Satan. And it also reveals the origins of BZ's name. Should I should I say it now or should I hold on to that? Should I put a pin in that for another year or so? <laughs> I think you can probably say it now. Just because it's in context of what you're talking so about. So we have always wondered... What does the BZ in BZ stand for? While Lithgow's character BZ is short for Beelzebub, one of Satan's followers in Paradise Lost. Wow. Mind blown, guys. I always thought it was BZ, you know, like Brian Zerg or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, just like a common name. But it is not. Or maybe like because it rhymes with sleazy. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sure that was probably the secondary. And then it goes on to say, basically, it was Dudley Moore's idea to rename Scratch Patch, which we did cover in that mm-hmm. episode. But also, he didn't want to play a villain. Right. So, I want to see the script of a more villainous Patch or Scratch, a more villainous elf. I bet Santa would have had a lot more to do than he ultimately does in the second half of the movie. Mm-hmm. That is crazy. It is. 
And one more bit of trivia that I want to get into because I can't just sit on this until <laughs> we get to John Lithgow. All right. What is it? This also goes back to the Dudley Moore episode where we talked about how Dudley Moore passed up on the lead role in Splash. Right. Because he was appearing in this movie. So I stumbled across an article, and I think it reveals what John Lithgow may have had to pass on because he was already committed to appearing in this movie. I think the timeline fits. Mm -hmm. I'm intrigued. John Lithgow was the number one choice to play Doc Brown Scott. in Back to the Future. But he couldn't do it because he had prior commitments. Because he was so in demand at this time. So putting the pieces together, I'm going to guess, because Back to the Future, of course, came out in 1985, was the top grossing movie of 1985, mm -hmm. while Santa Claus movie was like the 38th <laughs> top grossing movie of 1985. Sorry, Santa Claus. I can't, I can't. Great Scott. I know, this is heavy. I can only imagine, maybe that plays into why John Lithgow doesn't really talk about this. Mm -hmm. And when he did, he doesn't speak too warmly of it, even though it appears he's having a great time on screen. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> that if you were like, oh, that was supposed to be my character, you know, like Doc Brown was supposed to be me, that could have been me. And I chose to be in this Santa Claus movie that basically bombed. And I could have been Doc Brown. There could have been movies and stories and, you know, podcasts all about his character. And I, th John brought up that... Not not right now, but I'll bring it up now. He told me this earlier. It wasn't a surprise to me because, well, I guessed. And <laughs> Yeah, this was going to be a big bombshell. I was going to spring on her. And then I teased it with her, and then she guessed, was it Back to the Future? And I was like, oh, you got it. <laughs> you, can't, you can't tease me with things like that. <laughs> but anyway, I think that John Lithgow would have been great as Doc Brown, just like he was great as BZ. But I also think that Christopher Lloyd would have been perfect for BZ, just like he was for Doc Brown. I think they could have interchanged each other perfectly fine, and both movies would have been just as wonderful. There's an alternate timeline yes. where John Lithgow is in Back to the Future, yeah. and we're talking about how great Christopher Lloyd was <laughs> in Santa Claus the movie. I think, they, I think both of them could have done wonderful in either role, very easily. Well, at least, you know, John Lithgow, if you're listening, you've had an amazing career. Mm -hmm. You know, Santa Claus movie wasn't like a road bump or anything. No, it didn't tank your career like some, you know, like... Yeah, sadly, have, yeah, sadly, you know. Dudley Moore, like we talked about, was kind of on the decline after right, this. Right, Where John Lithgow has done so mm -hmm. much stuff. I know he's not listening, but we appreciate you, John, you know? You know, maybe someday <laughs> this will get to his ears. Maybe. Think positively. <laughs> So I just couldn't believe that mm. when I read it. It's like, oh my gosh. That would have been crazy. Like, I could totally picture mm -hmm. it because mm -hmm. he's such a versatile actor. He could play anything, honestly. And even some of BZ's mannerisms, like when he's freaking mm -hmm. out and stuff, totally feel like yeah. it could have been Doc Brown's reaction. Like, were Christopher future. Lloyd and John Lithgow, like, working together on both of these characters? They were, like, melting into one. <laughs> 
behind the scenes. They were filmed on the same stage a lot. They were like running lines with each other. <laughs> well, we know that can't be because this was filmed in I London know, and, and Back to the Future it was in California. Maybe, maybe in a different timeline. <laughs> Okay, so how about we dive into this minute? I think about we, time. I think we half have... of our podcast has been about something that we shouldn't have been talking about yet. <laughs> Breaking all the rules. I know. I'm sorry, but we just <laughs> can't sit on such mind-blowing information. <laughs> okay, minute 13 starts out with um, everybody. Claus, Anya, the group of elves walking towards their new home yeah patch and his friends are still laughing over yeah. the everybody's the just kind joke, of like talking the to joke from other. last week yeah they're all just kind of talking to each other everybody's heading in to the house and then we cut to anya and claws anya goes what's it all about now in the book that's not exactly what she said originally um anya was supposed to say isn't it funny I'm not afraid. And she looked back at Claus, and then she says, what's it all about? So she was stating that she's not scared. Like, surprisingly, she's not scared at all. She's just going with it. And the next bit almost feels like they're calling out, they're speaking directly to us, like they predicted, the filmmakers predicted, 35 years from now, somebody's going to be breaking down this movie. And theorizing that the clauses have either hallucinated, died, dreaming all of this, because Anya pinches Claus. Yes, because he says, I pinch her. And then she pinches him. Ah, no, we're awake. <laughs> so, you know, everything we talked about for the past 10 weeks, forget it. <laughs> They just ruined it all. Well, I suppose you could still make an argument that he dream—he would dreamed of getting yes. pinched within his dream. I'm sure there's there's plenty of ways he could work around that. And they are really happy. They're they're just going along with the ride, all smiles. And then we get a closer look at the North Pole Village, the elves' house, the workshop. And if you look close, you can see three elves at the door. I I thought they were guards, and I think you were leaning towards that too. Yeah, yeah, I think they're just, well, I think they're jer- they're just to open the doors. But do you think they you were know? part of this uh, group of elves that went no. out to greet them? No, I think they were waiting anxiously by the doorway, you know? So apparently the entryway that we're seeing was actual physical set, mm-hmm. but the rest of the compound <laughs> <laughs> was a matte painting. Yeah, that would make sense. Is that a little elf outhouse? off to the side (laughs) i don't know exactly what that is yeah on the right hand side of the screen there's like a little tiny almost looks like a dog house yeah i don't know exactly it's kind of you would think that like nowadays that would end up being like a um like a place to put uh sand and salt you know for when it's slippery and stuff but it's not it's like a little too far off the pathway for it to be used. Yeah, it's like weird. That. It's not attached to the house, and there's no like shoveled pathway to no, it. I have no idea what. I'm wondering what that the function is. is now of this little <laughs> tiny house. I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe I was gonna say maybe it's like a chimney for like an underground, you know, for like maybe underground, but it doesn't look like there's any smoke coming out of it. 
I don't know. Now, I made an attempt to count how many elves went out to greet Claus and Anya, and it's really, really hard. I, I basically gave up and just did a guesstimate because they're so hard to make out, even going frame by frame, because mm -hmm. they're like some behind others. So I'm guessing about 25 elves. Why do you think they needed so many to go out and greet them? Is it because they were afraid they'd make a run for it? And then, <laughs> like, we got them now, boys. I think they were just excited. Go get them, boys. <laughs> I think they were just excited, you know. And they Like, oh, oh, we got to go see. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I don't think that Dooley was like, all of you, come with me. I think it was just like, oh, they're here, they're here. We got to go see, we got to go see. And those are the ones that weren't working at that moment in time and could go. They were on their you coffee know? break. Yeah, they were on their lunch break and they decided oh, okay. to spend it going to get Claus and Anya. But it wasn't until, obviously, trying to count them out that I noticed the three elves guarding the mm -hmm. North Pole door there. Yeah. It doesn't mention them in the book at all. So now it goes straight from them walking in to like being inside and they're opening the gates. Though. In the book, there's actually kind of a little bit of a scene that was not in the movie. And it's just a quick little blurb. Like, it was like a deleted scene kind of thing. This is new to me. Beaming proudly, du Dooley stopped before the village gates, which were still closed. He raised a hand, ready to begin the official welcoming speech he had been rehearsing for centuries in preparation for this long-awaited moment. Patch's bright cap popped up behind him unnoticed as Dooley opened his mouth. My friends, it's moments like this that make me an elf feel humble and proud. Dooley took a deep breath because over the centuries he had thought of quite a lot of things to say on this auspicious occasion. Patch made a face having heard Dooley's speech before. Proud to have this golden opportunity to welcome Patch stepped forward, seizing Claus and Anya each by an arm and drawing them aside toward the waiting entrance. Right this way, folks, he interrupted smoothly. Sixty rooms, hot and cold running ice cubes, and southern exposure in every direction. He grinned at Dooley. Claus and Anya were beginning to shiver. It was far too cold to keep them waiting outside and far too boring. <laughs> So it kind of gives you a glimpse of what the elves deal with with Patch all the time. This is also not the first time we brought this up, but I can, I think they tone this down. Mm -hmm. And this will come up a couple more times during this montage. Yep. I think they cut this stuff so Patch wouldn't come off as a big jerk. Yeah. They kind of wanted to make him seem a little bit more like all of the other elves. You know. The hot and cold running ice cubes, which I, I assume was cut because it's such a lame joke. <laughs> Very lame. <laughs> it feels like, like a lame cartoon joke. I, can, I picture elves at like a water cooler, mm -hmm. like pouring ice cubes out of a water cooler or something. <laughs> yep. That's in the comic book too. Yeah. The hot and cold running ice cube. But, yeah, there is more but in it's the comic book. Yeah. yeah, but it's unclear who said it in right. the comic. Yeah. So anyway, here is the big reveal. Mm -hmm. This is very reminiscent of uh, like the Wizard of Oz when it switches from like black and white to Technicolor. Right. Because the first dozen minutes, it's been pretty dark, intentionally dark and dreary mm -hmm. and drab. And now we're walking into the elves' workshop and 
the color is going to be pumped up to 11 here yeah. in a second. It is full of color. Now this set, this set that they're walking into is amazing. I don't know if it comes across on screen as much, but I can imagine this took up a huge part of the budget as well. In addition to Dudley Moore and the animatronic reindeer, yeah, they built huge. They built this as a 360 degree set. Mm-hmm. And... This is going to be one continuous shot here. It's going to cut off in this minute, and we'll have to pick up again in the next minute. But everything was hand-carved. All the toys you see, everything's hand-carved out of wood. This set went around 360 degrees like it was built like a house. I don't think we see it in this montage here, but there's also like a work, those working telescope that Dooley used. That was part of this set. And they would take, like, investors in the movie to this set and it would just blow their minds. Apparently, they wanted to keep this set as, like, a year-round attraction at Pinewood Studios. You know, and then to hold on to the set because, you know, this movie's good. We're going to be making Santa Claus movies forever. But it didn't turn out this way, so sadly, this entire set no longer exists. I... I would keep it even if it was to use it for some for other movies. This took up well, it took up like an entire soundstage and what else could you use this set for? I'm sure repainting things, you know, putting overlays over some of it. I think it would make an awesome set for anything that had to do with um history, you know, like anywhere that had movies that were filmed or supposed to take place further back. You know what I mean? I think they could have done a lot with it. I think they wasted their money. And then you have just elves popping out of every little crevice of this this set. And you can see a big, huge cauldron with a whole bunch of chefs and cooks. And, I don't know, I guess just like... I mean, how many elves are up there? There's, what, one, two, three, four... Four or five, like eight or eight or so up there. I did go through this as mm-hmm. closely as I could. I counted 48 elves in this minute. There are some additional elves that we'll see in the next minute. But what we see in this minute here that we're talking about, I counted 48 elves, not counting the ones that came in with Santa. It doesn't seem like, it seems like there's more than 48. I'm not saying you miscounted. I'm just saying it seems like there's way more. I'm not quite sure what the purpose of this seesaw horse. I do. Oh, is it in the book? (laughs) Or are we going to get to that in a future minute? We'll get to that in a future minute. Like, probably minute 14. Same thing with the chef elves. Yep. Um, But yeah, I know exactly what it's used for. And another thing I was sure to count when I was tallying up the elves in this minute Mm -hmm. were... The number of elves with beards and the number of elves with no beards. Yes. I I now subscribe to the theory that the beards are like a sign of age. seniority. Yeah, age, seniority. While, like, there are some elves with, like, no beards. There are some with, like, little short beards. I had, I had to come out and ask uh, Ben if really long sideburns or mutton chops count it as a beard or not that was kind of borderline we determined that meant no beard it it has to be hair on the chin to count as a beard Mm -hmm. so i counted in this minute i could be wrong but i I doubt anybody's going to contest (laughs) 
my data. But I counted 23 with beards, 17 with no beards, and 8 were unclear. Like, either they were obscured, the camera didn't show them, another elf was in front of them, or you only saw, like, a foot or a hand. Mm -hmm. So anyway, so that's how the 48 elves in this minute broke down. I'm still surprised there's only 48. I mean, going through this minute, it just seems like there are so many. The way they have them all, you know, I mean... There's 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 right in this one shot right here. It's crazy. And this is all one continuous shot, by the way. Yeah, to have so many people on a set doing what they're supposed to be doing when they're supposed to be doing it. They probably had to do like 80 takes of this. Oh, yeah. this pro They probably filmed this thing over and over and over for like a month. Because there's a group of like six of them who like pop up on cue to go like to yeah. gawk at Santa what? like, oh. <laughs> and they're all the younger elves. And then like Ben said, as it pans around, you see them popping out of holes in the wall. Yeah. And waving. <laughs> and this is the first viewing of this movie that I've ever noticed. I'm referring to them as the twins. Near the tail end of this minute, <laughs> there are two elves working at a desk. I don't know what they're working on exactly. Um, it looks like, are they cooking? Looks uh, like they're cutting board maybe? That looks like a big onion or something. Yeah, I think they're, I think they're cooking, yep. But anyway, these two guys, like their beards look exactly the same. They're dressed exactly the same. I'm referring to them as the twins. We'll put a screenshot of them up on our website and you can check that out. It definitely does look like they're twins. If they're not twins, they I think they're supposed to be portraying twins. It's really hard to tell because they do look slightly different, but they're wearing the same clothes and they look... And their beards look exactly the yeah. same. They could be just brothers. I'm, going, I'm calling them the twins. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then they turn around, these guys look up in the rafters, go, hey, guys, look, look, and then it cuts off. Yeah, before we see who I, they're pointing yeah, to. Yeah, I believe we. I believe they turn up in the next minute, too, mm -hmm. because I also counted the elves because the shot keeps going. Right. I counted the elves in the next minute. So stay tuned next week. I'll have the grand total of beards and no beards and the number of elves I counted in this, <laughs> in this continuous shot. I'm glad that's your job. And that wraps up the minute for the week. That's quite a jam-packed episode. Yeah, and, you know, considering three quarters of it was just, like, to a, mu a music montage of elves popping out of nowhere, we had a lot to talk about. And Santa, like, looking on in awe. Yes. Yeah, we course. didn't hit upon that. It cuts back to Santa at one point. And he just looks like he is He has the biggest grin on his face. He's, yeah. in, he's in heaven. He's in heaven. <laughs> So, Ben, where can people find us online if they want to get in touch with us? I'll let you do the honors this week. Oh, thank you. If you want to join our conversation about this minute or any of the previous minutes, you can find us on Twitter at Santa Minute and also on Facebook and on Instagram. I think they're both at Santa Minute. Or you can email us at SantaByTheMinute at gmail.com. We also have a website. But the URL is very long, so it look for look for long. that on our Twitter every week. Yes, there's a link to it on all of our social medias as well. <laughs> 
Thanks for listening. And Ben, you forgot one part. What? That they can tune in every Wednesday for oh. a brand new episode, and they can listen to every episode. For free!